0: Hi, .NET Rocks fans. Before we get started, I'd like to mention Rob Eisenberg's awesome Durandal project, an open-source JavaScript library for creating apps with elegant, clean code on any platform. And guess what? He's got a Kickstarter project with only a few days left to reach the goal. Support open source, get cool rewards, and build the future web. Join Richard and me in backing the Durandal Kickstarter at tinyurl.com slash durandal 14 that's D-U-R-A-N-D-A-L-14. And hurry, the deadline is January
1: 10th. .NET Rocks episode 939 with guests Glenn Block, Justin Rusbatch, and Adam Ralph. Recorded live at the NDC in London, Friday, December 6th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik offering the best in developer tools and support online at telerik.com and by franklins.net makers of gesture pack a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for microsoft connect for windows developers details at gesturepak.com and now here are carl and richard
0: Thank you very much, and welcome back to Dine Rocks. It's Carl and Richard in the Fishbowl at NDC London. Hey, man. Last day. Yeah, last day. We're going to have some fun today.
2: Oh, of course we will. We have fun every day.
0: We're going downtown today, aren't
2: we? Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but
0: uh, I'm sure we'll have some fun. It's the last day, and we fly home tomorrow. All right, well, enough of that. Let's uh, just roll Better Know Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, what I got is uh, an announcement by the Microsoft Connect for Windows team that they have shipped developer preview kits, including pre release hardware of the version 2 Connect sensor. Oh, you've been waiting for this. You're one of the few Connect MVPs in the world. Right. And they have only shipped it to the MVP, Connect MVPs, a developer preview. Um, I wasn't at the MVP summit, but I still get the hardware. They're going to send it to me. It's probably waiting for me at home. Nice. Yeah, so this is the Xbox One version of the Kinect sensor, so uh, it's got a a lot of great features. Um, I'm not sure what I can say and what I can't because I wasn't there, but I do know that there's a a couple of blog posts out there, Um, not the least of which is a post by the the team, which you can get to at tinyurl.com slash KFWV2, Kinect for Windows version 2. And uh, this is just a preliminary, um, very, you know, not a lot of information there. But if you go digging around, uh, you can find uh, some blog posts and stuff like at the Imaginative Universal, Um, just, uh, I'll put a link to it, imaginativeuniversal.com, there's a blog, uh, and he has a first look at Connect for Windows V2, and he talks about some of the, you know, the features of it. Basically, it's very high def, very high fidelity. Uh, uses the GPU instead of the CPU, which the the previous version of Kinect used the, the CPU a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean everybody's got these. If you got an Xbox One, you've got one of these new Kinects. It's just interesting that you guys get to actually program against it, start seeing what it can really do.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the uh, preliminary SDK is out, and I can't wait for one to start working. You know, with Gesture Pack. And uh, try to convert gesture Pack over to the new SDK. I'm not exactly sure what's involved in that, but uh, i got a, a bit of time before it actually hits the market. Awesome. So there you go. There's some new stuff coming down the pike. You'll, you'll know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us? I
2: grabbed a comment off of show 853, and that's the one we did with Mr. Block. We talked about script C S the first time, and this comment comes from Bradford Bruce, who says I keep thinking during this show, this is what PowerShell should have been. I kept waiting for one of you to ask how these two compare. PowerShell started off as a great idea and an easy way to do scripting. As a programmer, I found I could put together a working solution faster in .NET than with PowerShell. So far, this project looks like the best of both worlds. I hope I'm correct. .NET needs the scripting that PowerShell promised without the, quote, not quite rough edges when working with assemblies. Yeah. Of course, we've been talking about script CS all week here at NDC. Uh, we haven't been doing shows on it, but literally just conversations at bars and things. And the PowerShell conversations come up a few times, Brad. So I appreciate your thinking. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Android, iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. We'd love to build you an app. Just go to
0: DiatomEnterprises.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, releasing over 40 new courses every month and still offering a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Android, Java, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including if I'm not mistaken, there's some upcoming training by Paul Bauer on ScriptCS. All right. Try site today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to our panel of guests. Justin Rusbatch is an open source developer with a passion for simplicity. He is the creator of Compilify.net and a core coordinator for the ScriptCS project. Adam Ralph is a line of business.NET developer by day and a .NET open source advocate by night. He looks after Fake It Easy, an open-source mocking framework. Adam also runs a few projects using ScriptCS. And Glenn Block. Who's Glenn Block? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Ah, no. Glenn Block is a product manager for Splunk's developer experience. A hardcore coder professionally for almost 20 years, he cares deeply about making developers' lives easier. Glenn lives and breathes code and is rumored never to actually sleep. He's also a big supporter in the shift toward cloud development, having played a key role at Microsoft in supporting OSS stacks in Windows Azure. He's an active contributor to Node.js and .NET OSS projects, a supporter of the community, and a frequent speaker internationally. And author of ScriptCS, he does have a personal life, which he shares with his wife and 9-year-old daughter in Seattle, usually while caffeinated. And he is very subdued. Welcome, guys. Oh, yeah, he's Thanks. very subdued. Yeah, maybe not. We just had him on that Web API panel, and I think he was half of it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> You sort of Web API is sort of your thing. We, that's not in your bio. Yeah, we didn't even mention Web API in your bio. How did that happen? I've moved He's got on. his head in his hands. What is that all about? Are you embarrassed? No. You sure? I'm fine. Would you like to be? Sure. All right. <laughs> so let's talk Script CS. So we had you on. What was it? A year ago. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, 835, months, that's in nine months. Yeah, no, it's pretty close to a year ago. It's 100 shows ago. All right. So you were just starting ScriptCS back then. And what what was the idea and how has it evolved since then? Just give us the elevator pitch, go back, and then bring us forward. Okay. Um, the elevator pitch for ScriptCS was providing a lighter weight
3: way to develop with C. Mm hmm. Um, One of the key things that I was thinking about at the time was often I just want to run some APIs. I just want to try some code out, and that um, today, without uh, prior to ScriptCS, that that tends to be a pretty expensive operation i have to like open visual studio think about what project i want to build uh am i going to build a console app i'm able to test right. the application then i have to write a whole bunch of code just to get to the point of running this stupid api that i just want to try well
2: and it reminded me of stuff actually i saw you do this demo i swear in 2002 where he wrote a bunch of c sharp in notepad and then ran a command the command line compiler on it csc and, and off it went right yes. i mean Yes. That's where yeah, and I think it was even a web service call. And that's where we came from. Yes. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't hate Visual Studio, but it ain't for the faint of heart.
0: Well,
3: I just think it's not for everything. Um, like, I am not, you know, And I, Script CS was not about trying to, like, derail VS or say you shouldn't be using it. It was more saying that today, if, you, if there are things that you may want to do that you might not need it, but today you're stuck. Like, you have to use it. Right. Um, so it was really about providing a path for, you know, being able to write this kind of code. And then another big part of it was providing a way to leverage NuGet. So it turns out that, you know, the NuGet package manager has been continually growing and there's just a ton of libraries and capabilities that are there. And when I put that together with this idea of experimentation, there may be a NuGet package I heard about like MongoDB. Right. And I say, all I want to do is just type some code within and see how it works. And so with Script CS, we had the goal of saying not only can you experiment with C-sharp code, but you can also combine that with using NuGet libraries. Mm-hmm. And I think that combination uh, and saying you don't need to have a project um, and then uh, saying that you can go even further than that. Um, and, and and some of this we'll get into where things have gone since. But anyway, that was kind of the core tenet. You know, since then... I mean, a lot of people looked at it, and as Brad said earlier uh, in his comment um, about PowerShell and, hey, this looks really like what I wanted PowerShell to be, that was never my goal. Right. It just kind of accidentally ended up in a place where Mm -hmm. everybody who saw it was like, well, today I use PowerShell, and now I don't have to. And that's gotten even better with some of the things that we've added.
2: I don't know that's entirely true either, because PowerShell, on one hand, is a scripting language, but it's also a way that an awful lot of Microsoft and some third-party products have been built so that they're accessible from a command-line form, essentially. The objects that are inside of the app are visible to us. Yes. And I, I can't see that going away.
3: Yeah, so the way I think about it, uh, and I was just talking to somebody about this last night, is there's a set of people that come to PowerShell today because that's their only option to mm-hmm. do what they want to do. And that now with Script CS, I see more and more people looking and saying, well, the thing that I want to do... I actually can achieve in code. I just didn't have a good medium for doing it before. Right. And now script CS provides me that, which I think is all goodness. However, that's not mutually exclusive with what you just said, sure. which is PowerShell provides a ton of functionality to administrators. And, you know, Microsoft builds lots of things that are exposed through PowerShell yes. and lots of companies are building systems. That is not going to change.
0: Now, when I think about what I like about a scripting language is not just the language of the compiler or whatever it is, but the, but the environment that I use that in. Is part of Script CS an environment?
3: Well, so that's an interesting question. Part of Script CS is saying have flexibility on what kind of environment you want to use. Mm-hmm. Now, I came from working with Node.js for the past two years before I started ScriptCS. And there, my choice of environment was Sublime Text. Right. Other people's choice of environment was Emacs. Others used products like uh, WebStorm. So with Script CS offering uh, a lightweight scripting model that didn't require a project system or a project or anything IDE-specific, it meant you have your choice of a spectrum of environments. You, I think the environment is important, but it's just this idea that what's important to you as an environment is completely different than what might be important to someone else. And there's, your mileage may vary. There are some people that, to them, Visual Studio is the environment, and they will accept nothing less, mm-hmm, and that yeah. is just fine. Then there are a bunch of other people that are saying, well, now I have to work in VS, but actually I feel like because I can do this in other dynamic languages that I could actually
0: be productive if you would let me just work with a text. So editor. so what is the difference between taking uh, a C Sharp file that you just create a CS file in Emacs or sublime text sure. and, and just compile that with CSC at the command line and script CS? That's a
3: great question. Um, one of the things I would say is that when you use CSC, if you want to have references to assemblies, those all have to be explicitly declared on the command line. Um, where or, or you have to have some type of project file. Like a make file or something. Exactly. Whereas um, you know, script CS, a lot of its success is building on top of this uh, technology that Microsoft developed called Roslyn. And Roslyn suddenly provides a way of inline putting directives to say, here's what I want to reference. So that's one way it's better because now I can just have one file that I just passed to script CS and it has everything it needs to run. So that's one place that's different. The second place that's different is if you were going to use CSC, you would still have to have a class and an entry point and all the same kind of things as far as the structure of building an executable that you would have when you're in Visual Studio. By the way, feel free to weigh in, just weigh in if you need to weigh in. But With script CS, because we're leveraging Roslyn, Roslyn introduces a way to do loose procedural code in C-sharp, and it will just, very similar to Python or Ruby or Node, just execute the code that you give it. Without a module, without a class. I don't have to write a class. I don't have to have a namespace. As a matter of fact, I can't use namespaces in the scripts if I want to, but I could literally just write a script that says console.writeline, and then, you know, hello from script CS... And run it, and it will work. You can't do that with CSC. With CSC, minimally, you will have using statements and namespaces and a class so and we're a really, main method.
0: really talking about simplifying, App, getting down to the essence of yes. here's a couple lines of C Sharp. Go run this and tell me one what happens. One line. If all like you want the to write is one
3: line. Right? Yes.
0: Like the immediate
3: window. Well, and that gets into another feature we have that we didn't have before. But yes, that kind of level of simplicity is what we were shooting
1: for. I think a more fundamental difference, too, is... Uh, when you run csc.exe on a on a script or on a C# file, you have a binary produced that you then need to go execute or reference from another project to use. Very good point. And that's Justin talking, by the way. Oh, sorry. Uh, by default, C S will not produce any assemblies; it doesn't touch the disk, which is one of the things that makes it so fast. And uh, its speed is really key to cre- creating the feel of a actual scripting environment. Mm-hmm. It's not an interpreted language. We're still compiling. Roslyn compiles straight to memory, though, which is just loads faster than than running CSC and producing a binary and then having the extra manual step of going and actually executing. I think that, that's a really that is
3: the key thing. Re- I mean, that is a really important point, which is CSC creates a thing that you then have to invoke, whereas right. we remove that step. It's like when you run script CS, the code is just going to run. Well, I think one
2: it. of the reasons CSC does that is we didn't have an option before. I mean, right. this comes back down to Roslyn, yeah. Allowing us to actually compile as a service and, yeah. and just execute it on the spot, it basically is compiling to memory rather than doing well. The you could have, to be
3: fair, you could have imagined having CSC have an option of where if it creates an exe or something, it executes it and passes the parameters in. I don't think any people were really thinking about that because I think CSC has primarily been a tool for Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. Like yes, a few people like Scott Hans, you know, there's a few people that may have touched it. Majority, I would gather, don't even know the thing exists. Right. So, it's just not something people thought about.
0: So that's what it is. Uh, since the last time we spoke, which was probably, what, two days after the project existed? Yes. Uh, what How? What can we do now? Like, so, I'm going to let go? Justin, who's
3: my co coordinator on this, who actually, one thing that happened is Justin joined the project after that. And, and more people, too. Yes. Uh, Philip
1: Wojcichen uh, yes. hopped on board and yes. has been helping us with so our co So, that's the first thing that
3: happened. It became a project. It was no longer Glenn's little experiment. Right, right. We formed a GitHub organization, we, we created a Twitter account, yep. we, went, we went a little crazy. Website, yeah. Created a website.
1: So, uh. It went to
3: prime time. That's the first thing that happened. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, we've introduced a lot of, or maybe not introduced, but integrated a lot more of, uh. Roslyn's scripting engine and capabilities into the product. Um, for instance, the ability to reference other script files and load them in. Mm-hmm. Um, so include
3: kind of. Function basically,
1: of include, include, uh. The ability to, uh. Use pound R to, uh. bring in an assembly from the GAC or something that you already compiled from a Great. separate project. Great. Uh. We've introduced the REPL, uh, which is Huge. eliminates the need to even create a text file. Um, so you can just launch a command line and, and just go to town and, and see the result of uh, individual C sharp statements and expressions.
3: So, the, so the REPL for people that are familiar, not familiar with dynamic languages, is just an interactive shell where you can just write code and go.
2: Nice. Is that part of you bundle that in with script CS or do I get another REPL when you bundle you right Script
3: CS in. is an EXE. If you just run it and you pass nothing, you go into the REPL. You're in REPL. Just start okay. typing code. Love just it. like Node.js.
2: Sure.
3: Which has been a heavy inspiration.
1: Yep.
0: Node.js. Okay. What else? We are added we at?
3: install. We didn't have the ability to install packages. We required you to use NuGet. That was, remember, well, that, that, was, that day was, two, was an
1: intended feature. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, fair enough. But we, now we, uh, have a fully, yeah, yeah. we have
3: a fully integrated story that will install NuGet packages for you and create a packages config, and if it didn't have the bug that it has now, update the packages.config as you install new packages. So why that's nice is when, when I came on the show, you had to have NuGet.exe downloaded and installed on your machine. Right. No longer the case. We call to the NuGet core API and do all the interaction with NuGet. Well,
1: to be clear, um, the chocolatey installer does install NuGet.exe on your machine. Uh, it's a dependency of the package itself. Okay. So...
3: But we don't use it when we call. When you call script.cs right. no, install, we use the NuGet core. Right. And the NuGet team, by the way, was a big help in pointing out you know, what we should do. And they, they actually were very happy that we didn't ship a separate EXE. But right. instead, because this way, it wouldn't send confusion into the market of like, you should just use this as a general NuGet tool. No, you should use this as a tool specifically for script.cs. And one of the reasons we did that, by the way, we didn't want to do that, was at the time... One of the things that Node does is when you go to install packages, you can just have a set of top-level packages, and it will walk the dependency graph and automatically find all the dependencies and pull that in for you. Well, NuGet core actually doesn't... NuGet exe doesn't do that by default. What NuGet exe required at the time, and I think this has now changed is that um it really was package restore which meant you had to have the list of all of the packages already there and if you didn't it just wouldn't install them and we were like this just is not going to work for us we we looked at node and we like we don't want to look embarrassingly different so we wanted to say hey if you just go to install three level top level packages then all the dependencies will come in so we added that um so we kind of had this principle that we did not want to re-implement any part of NuGet or make it look like we were trying to do that. But we had to do this trade-off of like, we're not going to get people using this unless we give them an experience that is reasonable. Right. And, and, and so I talked with Jeff we familiar with
2: too, right? Like, we've learned how to use NuGet. Don't change that on us. Chocolate is good. Exactly. Let's just work with it.
3: So, so we, so we basically, well, yeah, but the challenge we found is that working with NuGet from the command line meant we didn't get an experience that was ideal for what customers who were, or developers who were going to use script CS we were going to expect. Right. It meant that you were going to have to manually graft a packages.config file and put all your dependencies in, or you were going to have to say, oh, I want to install this package, but really that depends on these three others. So I also need to know that because I'm installing this sure. package, install the other three. Sure. We were just like, that's going to suck. It should just happen so, by itself. So that's what we did. So that's where the evolution of script.cs-install came.
1: Right. Another uh, really cool feature that Glenn actually came up with is the ability to create script packs. And these, uh, the intention of the script pack is to reduce the friction that you have to uh, deal with when you want to deal with a, a framework. That Frameworks make the assumption that you just want to use them in Visual Studio. And so you're going to have the convenience of IntelliSense and all the discoverability that that, that, that provides to help figure out their API. Sure. Uh, but in a scripting environment, especially, say, in a REPL or in um, something like Sublime, where there isn't a very good IntelliSense, so to speak, uh, that doesn't really work out. So script packs are kind of like an abstraction between the actual framework and script CS that allow uh, you to use it in a much more simpler way, a much more straightforward way that reduces the, the amount of API calls that you'll need to
0: make. So how, what does that look like?
1: Well, so one of the things, I'll give you an
3: example. Um, the first script pack that we wrote, surprise, surprise, I wrote was Web API Script Pack. And what I found was that we found right away, early on, we had a whole bunch of samples that popped up. And mm-hmm. there was a Web API sample, which, I'm not trying to remember if Philip built that or I built that. But anyway, we have a Web API sample And we found that there was a lot of code that if one wanted to just do this from their head, they would have had to write. For example, using statements. Mm -hmm. There were like four different sets of using statements that you needed to actually use Web API. And they're long names, right? Because Microsoft prides itself on long namespaces. Well
2: sure. We want distinctive names,
3: right? Stuff we know for sure. That's Web API. You wouldn't type that by accident. Absolutely. You wouldn't type that long, long name by accident. So um so that was so we saw that. And then we saw other things, like what you want to be able to do if you're going to use Web API with ScriptCS is write your controllers as script. But it turns out that the capability that Web API uses to discover controllers will not look at
0: in-memory-emitted controllers. Okay, wait, can you back up just a little bit? Did you say write your controllers as script? Yes. So on the Web API server side, your controller hits a script, that means it's Dynamics. So, what we're talking about
3: doing is, and if you look at some of the script CS samples, we're saying, I want to play with Web API as a server, mm-hmm. but I don't want to touch Visual Studio and build a project. Right. So, I want to be able to spin up a Web API defined in a script. Yeah. Where the controllers themselves are defined in the script. So, when I want to make a change, I just tweak the script and rerun the thing. That is
2: really cool. And that works. Should we just call this Node C Sharp? Because <laughs> so, that's what it sounds like now. Did, really. Yeah. No. <laughs> It's, inspired. it's yeah. inspired. I think By it's it, a yeah.
3: Node C Sharp. I think it's a Node developer, ex- Node-ish developer experience. Node-ish. Okay. I don't want to mix up the developer experience with no, the runtime sure. and how the runtime is structured.
2: But yes, it's very much. I mean, in Node.js, it seems like those things are, it's very similar in that Which sense. Is part,
3: yeah, it is. It is in terms of the ultimate developer experience, like how you write stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think um,
0: as we're going to probably talk about after the break, there's a lot more to uh, script C Sharp that I don't think is in the scope of Node C script Sharp. Did I say scripture? Okay. But as I think we're going to find out after the break, there's a lot more in script CS that isn't in uh, the scope of Node.js. That's what I think anyway.
3: Well, like static typing. Yeah. I mean it, this is proper C sharp. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not trying to be JavaScript, right. but it's taking some inspiration from JavaScript.
1: The inspiration is really in the convenience that nodes for pr- the convenient experience yes. that Node provides its developers. And we, we just don't want to have Fiction. that convenience yes. in yeah. C sharp. No, we don't want node in C sharp. We simply want the convenience of Node in C sharp. Yes. That's, cool. That's
2: a great way to describe it.
1: Hey Richard, you know what time it is?
2: Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again.
0: That's right. It's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who it is, let me tell you about Telerik Icinium, which lets you develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript, all from within Visual Studio. The capabilities include comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI and jQuery mobile as well as integrated testing and deployment capabilities. All this makes iCenium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik iCenium is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate collection. So start a free 30-day trial of iCenium with support at icenium.com/dnr that's i c slash i u m.com/dnr and don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET rocks. Absolutely. So who's our winner buddy? Today's winner is Andy Grimes.
2: Andy Grimes. Congratulations, Andy. Golf clap for you. Golf clap, Andy. All
0: right, Andy. You win. So Andy wins the uh, Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection, just about everything Telerik does in one box. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. We give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection every show, and every December we give away $5,000 in technology to one lucky member of the fan club. And we like to ask our guests, guys, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? And you know what? I'm going to start with Adam, because he's been sitting here quietly the whole first half of the show. Amazingly quiet. Adam, what would you buy with $5,000 today?
4: Um, I'd probably buy a couple more laptops, I can't have enough. Um, and I love them they're all so different these days in all different shapes you can yeah. just turn them over you can touch them you can do all kinds of stuff
2: like that. as long as they're not Macs you can that's true <laughs> that's a good point there I'm, wouldn't be Macs I'm kind of surprised that the can Mac touch, has not innovated touch more the 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 hardware, hardware. Of them, you know there's still no touch hardware there's not been some really weird form factors or anything okay? oh. they
3: did do a patent on some touch related screen so there's yeah. one coming
2: I'm keener
0: on them building something but, uh, uh,
3: knowing
4: Apple they have probably got something in
3: the pipeline I the hope touch.
0: so well, they say they're you know you want touch get an iPad. It's probably what they'd say. Uh, Glenn, what would you buy with five grand? Definitely a four K TV because mm-hmm. that's like the thing
3: now. Um, probably get a, uh, I'd probably get both a new PS, a new PlayStation Four, and a new Xbox. Yep. And I why why choose exactly? Uh, probably get an Oculus Rift. Mm, yummy. I mean, but I might wait until the dev until uh, they're actually until they're actually out. Yeah. And uh, well, I just use the rest for games. Justin,
2: it's not gonna be much left after the 4K
1: TV. You know, that's pretty much all of it.
3: <laughs> you get like one game. Yeah. Like at one game. That's
1: right. <laughs> I would have to go with the 4K TV as well. Yeah, uh, that'd be my choice. Okay. Do they have 4K 3D
3: TVs? Yes, Maybe? they do. Because I am a 3D fan. Yep,
2: yeah, no doubt. The big Samsung does that. Okay. 4K and 3D.
3: But you still need glasses.
2: Uh, yes, you do need glasses. It is an active shutter, and there's no way to get away from that. It's the way it works. Uh, the real problem you'll find if you start playing with 4K TVs, you can't drive a PC to them. Oh. The HDMI standard is a little wonky. You need 1.4, and there's not a lot in the way of video cards that can do that properly. Do you have one? I do not. I've been holding off on because of those technical problems. I don't think the TVs are quite ready yet. And there's nothing that's added. There are no 4K sources, right? blu rays not 4K. Certainly cable's not 4K. And if that, with the problems with getting a PC to actually drive a 4K monitor, it's it's going to be tough to, to utilize it. Really, that being said, I still want one, but that's just me, pixel addict. Some, more screen space, good.
0: All right, uh, let's talk about adding scripting to your app because this is something that has been happening ever since you know we've had apps, application programmability. I, I have an app I have an app called Gesture Pack. Let's say. And there is an API for it, but I don't but I also have an app that I use to um allow my users to create gestures that isn't part of the SDK. Awesome. Maybe I want to allow my develop my, my customers to ship that and then put some script around it so they can give their customers the ability to create their own gestures for it. Can I do that with script C S? As uh, Obama says, yes, we can. <laughs> 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 si se puede. <laughs> so
3: uh, that's a great question. And one of the things I would say to talk about when we think about what has happened over the last eight, nine months, we've gone through some major refactorings, just cleaning up the code base as it got bigger and looking at, how can we decouple things to support these kind of scenarios? And one of the things that I was extremely concerned with was wanting to be able to allow script CS to be rehosted within another environment. Right. And so a great scenario for that would be I want to make my app extensible. And, you know, people have done this, and they've done it with, well, script, They've done it even with JavaScript. The CLI. So why not do it with, yeah. So. You know,
2: with the CLR running inside of the SQL Server context, that was a big deal. It made the CLR dramatically Absolutely. better. Absolutely.
3: And often what you find is when people want to extend something, like your example, it's not a lot of code they want to write. But today, like if we say to them, oh, write a DLL, still they have to start off, create the project, do all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you have to build and you want to test again. And then you have DLL reference issues. And all that stuff just goes away when you start to do that in a scripting model. So we have a hosting package. And one way we ensure that this thing works is this is actually what ScriptCS uses. When you run ScriptCS.exe, it uses this um, ScriptCS.hosting uh, package, which which is what enables the ScriptCS runtime, which includes Roslyn. Runtime is probably not the right word, but I'll just call it runtime because people know that word, um, within the ScriptCS.exe. So what you could do is go into your app, reference this NuGet package, and suddenly enable your users to just give you a script that you then use this API to load it up and it compiles it on the fly and it will just give you back types. It'll give you an assembly that you can work with
0: and reflect against. So do I just make um, types in my app public? And essentially, that's it?
3: Well, you'd have like probably what you would have would be like a, you know, in this case, what I think is the common pattern when I've thought about this is you would have a library with contracts or interfaces. So even though I'm using a script, I can still reference that DLL and implement an interface. Or you could do kind of like what the Owen guys are doing and have a delegate. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, just have a delegate named XYZ and we'll call it and we'll find it. Any one of those patterns is possible. Sure, okay. Uh, And going back to my old history, I even want to have, here it comes, a MEF script CS catalog (laughs) that will allow me to create a catalog, point it to a folder with a bunch of script files, and then it will just turn those things all into contracts and load them up. But yes, it's totally possible to do what you want. As a matter of fact, we could get together after and make that that
1: happen. One of the key players in, in really enabling this hosting story, it was... Something Glenn wanted to do, and as he said, we uh, kind of dog fooded ourselves by putting study XC on top of the hosting layer, but Adam is actually one of the biggest consumers of this hosting libraries, uh, made some significant contributions to help us uh, ensure a nice experience with that, so I would ask him uh, how his experience has been in, uh, in, in any... How, how he's using the hosting uh, layer. So what have you been building with ScriptCS, Adam?
4: Okay, well, when I first got into ScriptCS, mm-hmm. um, I played around with the REPL and uh, played around with scripts and had a lot of fun with it. And one of the things that I spotted fairly early on was an opportunity to build a configuration management system mm-hmm. where you could actually write your config files in C Sharp where you'd otherwise use XML.
2: Right. And, um, then, and then need some tool somewhere else that parses it. Exactly.
4: So I needed something to execute the script. Right. Um, so what it did was I used ScriptCS as the execution uh, engine, mm-hmm. and what happens is it has an internal DSL for configuration. So mm-hmm. in your config file, you kind of write Configurator. Add foo, and um, and one of the nice things is actually you have real types, so right. you can add a URI, add a URI, yeah. string
3: conversion,
2: then and, and, and enforced, and you know it's going to be right, like that. I think configuration more than anything catching that sort of dumbness right at the beginning makes a huge difference. Exactly. So you've got the strong typing built in from the start, mm-hmm. um,
4: and with the hosting, it was really interesting because what I wanted was the when you when you write a script normally you have a couple of like ambient methods available. Mm-hmm. You have require, which is script packs, and you have args, which is uh, arguments passed to the to the script. Mm-hmm. And I wanted. Um, you know methods to our configuration. Item. Mm-hmm. So I created a, an interface with those things and then the challenge was to get those methods available in scripts. Yes. Right now with the stable version that's released um, you have to jump through a couple of hoops because um, of the way it invokes ROSEN. It says, well, use, use this interface which I know about and not the one which the consumer library knows about. Right. But Philip has actually just made a change, which I believe has been merged in, but not
3: released yet. Correct. Philip, which is in our other core contributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's fixed that. and Coordinator, we, sorry, yeah. our other coordinator. So he's fixed
4: that, and presumably with the next version, I'll be able to rip a load of code out and just use that out of the box.
2: There's something very DevOps-ish about all of this, right? They, I like this idea that you have an executing block for managing configuration that comes back with a true, which just goes, okay, we configured. Absolutely right, and this is really what I see as the main benefit of
4: config which is the name of the library. Mm -hmm. Um, You can completely decouple your configuration management strategy from your application at runtime. Now, you can do that right now these days with packaging time, deployment time, but now what you can do is you can write your app to say, go and get my URI for a service which I have to hit," And Initially, that can just be like adding the URI in a config file.
0: Okay? Mm-hmm.
4: Like similar to what you do in, a, in an XML file. Now, later on, what about you get to support a lot of environments and you want to go and get that URI from the file system somewhere? Mm-hmm. You know? Or you want to go and hit a web service. Guy, Internal or... API. Yeah. Um, your app doesn't change. Right. It just goes, get me the URI. Yeah, I don't care. Your config file, you can go crazy. You can ask the user to input the URI. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like crazy stuff. You can do anything. So... You've got
3: complete decoupling of configuration from, from the app. You can do anything you like after your app's deployed. You and then imp- the important thing to remember here, and I had to be reminded of this by Adam, is that your app doesn't know anything about Script CS. ScriptCS. Right. CS is just an implementation detail. So when people think about config R, just think about getting rid of app.config in that exe and just plugging it, or even a web app, yeah. and just plug in config R to be that replacement.
2: Sure. I mean, sometimes I feel like. Script CS is a PowerShell replacement, sometimes just a scripting language. The other part of that seems interesting to me, and I think Carl was hinting this as well, is this idea of embedding the capabilities into another app. So suddenly it's like, it's VBA. Exactly. And he's hitting on some of that, but
3: you could, sure. you, you could imagine like your scenario, which right. is a very specific kind of thing.
0: Right, yeah. The app that I give my my uh developer is something that they want to give their customer mm-hmm. yeah
3: business um, rules for example is yeah. a great one like
0: how many biz- i worked and built
3: man so many business rule engines i can't even believe and we used xml and some type of assembly that would yeah. have to get loaded always macro-
2: reinventing the wheel i just want C sharp is my macro language right exactly. let's, let's stop doing that exactly. one language
3: exactly i mean workflow had an attempt but you
0: know we shall all talk about so, it. So, <laughs> let,
1: let me
0: just change gears real quick here. What can't I do in Script CS that I can do in C Sharp?
1: So right now, uh, do you mind? The, so right now, um, the latest public CTP for, of Roslyn does not support the dynamic and the async and await keywords. So those are two features that you are unable to use at the moment.
3: All right. And the third one is Roslyn won't allow you to do namespaces. Because the class in the that script is, in, in, in the a script, script, world. script engine, but yeah, Roslyn
0: hasn't even really shipped yet. So when it ships, do you expect those features to be there? Namespaces,
1: I don't think so. That's just a, that's because of because of the way Roslyn. Yeah, Roslyn does magic when it sees loose C sharp. It wraps it in proper C sharp for you. So it just plugs them in so you can't add a namespace. But that to doesn't really
0: make sense anyway for, for script, does it? Namespaces? Well, you could
1: argue it. But
3: I mean, I think it's really, this is one of those cases where it's like, hey, even if I put a class in scriptcs, like yeah. Roslyn is going to wrap that class and it's become an inner class. Yes, sure. I can't put
1: namespaces yeah, okay. within an outer class.
0: But async certainly is a desirable feature.
1: Task-based async APIs are accessible. So you can use tasks all you want. You just okay. need to use continue with. There's no right. async await magic. But and do the you, public do you foresee that coming. Well, the, I mean, the public release
3: of Roslyn will definitely support. I mean, we'll support dynamic and we'll support task. Yeah. Um, but we'll support await. Yeah, you, it'll support async await. It's a full. But, oh, but, well. but I'm talking about the public release of Roslyn, which yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. The public release. We of don't Roslyn.
1: know
0: when. We don't know how. <laughs> how the
1: full intention of Roslyn is to completely rewrite the C sharp compiler, so anything right. valid in C sharp as it is today yeah. Yeah. would be supported in, in a in a release of, uh, next right. release of Roslyn, I guess. Adam, other projects? What else are you working on?
4: Okay, well, that's actually particularly relevant um, mm-hmm.
2: when you talk about restrictions right now um, because I've just started a
4: project called BAU, B-A-U, which is a C-Sharp build system. Okay. Um, so for anyone who's familiar with Rake or p or Fake, these things, mm-hmm. this is the same thing, but you can do it in C-Sharp. And one of my aims for that is to be cross-platform. Um, and unfortunately, Rosalind, won't run cross platform right now. Which is interesting, yeah. It, yeah. it, it
2: feels like something that should be able to, but it, it would be good I, at I, some I,
4: point. I spoke to uh, Matt Torgerson about this and he said he's keen, um, but didn't commit. Um, great. Right. But that would be great.
3: Yeah, and, and, and that's an interesting segue about there has been a bunch of investigative work and exploration on Mono. And one of the major refactorings that we did was we decoupled the engine, which was initially default, like initially it was going to be Roslyn and that was it. And we saw a lot of people, including Miguel, that were saying, hey, like this should support Mono. Um, and Mono has its own compiler as a service, which oh, yeah. we all know was announced at PDC. PDC 2008, Miguel de Casa announced that they had compiler as a service for Mono, the Mono CS compiler. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have refactored script cs into an engine concept to allow the possibility for mono to work and we have done investigation and we have spikes of mono working we've not gone the full direction of fleshing everything out and we've hit into some performance issues as
0: well um, wow where can you imagine script cs running on an iphone we or can't imagine that. That's why, we're,
3: that's why we're looking at this. In it's been a dream
1: since the earliest days of the project.
3: And the Samarin yeah. tools? Yeah. So we want to make that possible. And it is conceptually possible in terms of the layering of the architecture, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Because, you know, if, if you don't design for it, it, there's no way it's going to be possible. Yeah. Now there's still work that needs to get done, but we've at least removed the, the, the roadblocks.
1: Right. And people have done some weird things with this uh, engine abstraction. We've seen an F-sharp uh, version mm-hmm. oh. of ScriptCS. We've seen... A is, that, is that weird? It's different. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's not what we expected. Um, weird from that perspective. Yeah. Fortunately, for, there's for a little been while, no VB one yet. For a little while, I think we were debating whether or not the CS stood for C-sharp or uh, what, compiler services? That right, was my joke services?
3: when there actually was talk about doing a VB implementation, oh, and I was mm-hmm. saying that the CS is now going to get morphed to... Compiler services. Right. You know, like NDC
2: became the new developer code. Yeah. Just reused the acronym. Yeah, right.
3: Fortunately, we had a close one
2: that we could use. Switch over to it. Well, I, I think we're in an interesting place here. I mean, it's been a busy eight months or nine months or so, uh, taking it as far as it has. Uh,
3: Where I would do you like to say going? I, I'm sorry. We should before. talk about our adoption and contributors. and Yeah, I would like stuff.
1: to say that, that, that shortly after, the months after the, your first interview with Glenn, um, the community outpouring of support and like issues and uh, pull requests has been amazing um, we've two we've promoted two uh, of our main contributors to what we're calling core core contributors Christian helang and uh, Damien shekelman yes um, so so much of this is, of this project has been contributed to us by the community mm-hmm. um, so they a, a huge a huge role in in taking it this far and we have us 30
3: active contributors Wow so
2: that's, that's what I'd call a happy open source project. And over over 100 forks. Are you contributing as well, Adam? Oh yeah. So you're doing contributions as well as implementing it, using it in some uh, of your projects. That's correct. Yeah.
3: Tell about the Nancy Script Pack. That was a big uh, deal.
2: Uh, yeah, that was actually my first project.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was pretty early on. It was. Um, I picked up, uh, uh, well, I had a look at uh, Glenn's Web API pack. I saw that someone had done one for Service Stack I think, mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Philip did
3: that, I think. He did the Service Stack one.
4: Yeah, and I think SimpleWeb was there. And Nancy is one of my favorite uh, web frameworks. It's so mm-hmm. awesome. My favorite. And I thought, well, there's a gap in the market. No one's written the Nancy one. So I threw it together. And actually, that was a great way to learn about ScriptCS. So if anyone's listening and they want to try and work, uh, find out how ScriptCS works under the hood, it's a great way to, 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 to learn it. Um, you know, throw a script back together, chuck it on you get, throw it up on um, GitHub, and uh, and give it a go. It's a, good, it's a good
2: way to do it. I'm just looking at your GitHub, Adam, for Script CS Nancy. I guess that's the project. That's the project, yeah. yeah. And okay. if you
4: look at the quick start, you can see how... You see the syntax. Yeah, you can get okay. a web server up and running in... What is no called? using statements. Four lines of wow. code. No yeah. new. You don't new up an object. In fact, the module is like a couple of lines of code,
3: and then the, the code to actually start the web server line is it is one line of code. Nice. And the most important thing about script packs is we use MEF to discover them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course that's yeah, the
0: most important. Of course it is. Yeah. It's
1: still a meph head. There are a bunch of script packs out there. We actually keep a list on our uh, GitHub wiki. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty or so. Think, uh, at you know. least, yeah. Um, the convention for naming so far has been scriptcs dot, and then the framework that uh, the script pack is for. Yep. So you can check out NuGet, search for scriptcs, and uh, they'll. I'm pretty sure all of them that we've seen yep. so far will Paul, be. Paul Bauer, who you yep.
3: just mentioned earlier, has right. created. A script pack for working with Azure and management. So You're talking about DevOps, right? Complete DevOps story. Okay. You want to manage your Azure VMs and all of that stuff. Oh, really? Do it from Script CS, okay. which is actually what Michelle Bustamante wants to do.
0: Oh wow, that's great! So what what's next for Script CS? I mean, where do you? How far are you going to take it?
3: Well, I'd love to see Mono support. That's a big pain point. Right? I'd love to see debugging be and we, we do have a debugging story by the way. We've got to mention that. Like we actually have a path that you can. Open up VS and put a breakpoint and step through your script code. Nice. So we did some work there to make that happen. Um, we, we actually, there were line directives. We learned a lot. You know, you learn a lot when you try to solve these problems. And we and the Roslyn team, by the way, kudos to them. Because oh, yeah. they, point. I met with the Roslyn team this is while I was still at Microsoft. And they were very supportive of what we were doing.
0: And they helped us figure out how to get a debugging story, which is a great synergy. I would, you know, I would say that... Some parts of Visual Studio art would be great for this. I mean, if you didn't have to create a project, mm-hmm. if you could just open a, a script cs file, Yes. And just start running and debugging and all of those in IntelliSense and all that great stuff. Desire that would be wonderful. Yeah, that's right? going to be a lot of work, but it's 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 technically
3: possible, but it's non-trivial.
1: IntelliSense is another uh, not intel not even IntelliSense, but maybe just a basic autocomplete both in the REPL and yep. uh, in Sublime, we want that. where we also have, we have a. Script CS plugin for Sublime, but right now it only does syntax highlighting and the basic execution. And some snippets. And some snippets, yeah. So we'd like to see J-
3: Jonas follow so mm-hmm. that plugin. Yeah, yeah. That's cool.
1: We'd like to see a more complete story around making Ah, that we've got
3: to talk about Jim Christopher's plugin.
1: So Jim Christopher's like
3: a PowerShell guru, and oh, wow. he saw Script CS and he saw this fighting going on on which one is which, and he's like, why don't we bring them together? So he wrote a PowerShell module that allows you to invoke scripts. From PowerShell and even pipe objects in between nice. your scripts and PowerShell. So it, pretty cool stuff. Well, so it, I, th- I think the energy is just going to continue to grow.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I've seen a lot of PowerShell users that write no code because you don't need to. There's an awful lot you can do with PowerShell yeah. just with piping and yeah. and directives and, and, and calling into the command structures of the tools you're trying to manipulate. And when you do see people trying to write code inside of PowerShell, it's not easy. Like, there's a lot of stunts you have to pull to yep. make that happen. It's all in yep. CS.
3: Oh, I've had C. people who came to me and like, "Oh, I can do that. Here it is." And it's like, "Wow!" Like, or <laughs> use Jim's thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jim's, Jim's thing is the way easier. to go. And then That's you can cool. leverage NuGet, right? Yeah. Because you get the full power of Script CS. Even mm-hmm. when that person does that. That's great when they just want to run some simple C-sharp code. What happens then when they need references and all of that? Mm -hmm. So with Jim's thing, you get the beauty of the ScriptCS experience brought into PowerShell. And he and I actually did the Power Scripting podcast Mm -hmm. where we both were on there talking about, hey, they're both powerful. They both have good uses, and you can even put them together, and you don't have to choose one or the other. Nice. And we still believe that.
0: Well, guys, I think that's a show congratulations it's uh, it's great stuff and we're gonna be talking you and me about awesome. uh integrating that into gesture pack sounds good as soon as i get it working on the new uh the new connect love to do it good stuff thanks guys awesome, thank you guys like for you. having us all right we'll see you next time on dotnet rocks